Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. Jerry Urshabek in the studio. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Jeff. I'll try not to call you Judy this week. <laughs> as, you've, as you've seen, I answer to most anything. Hey, you. Hey. Yeah. Uh, and also on the uh, phone with us today, we have Donna Hoffman. Thank you, Donna, for joining us. Good morning. She's there. Are you there, Donna? I am there. Okay, fantastic. Good to hear you. And um, we will take a little bit of time and listen to our sponsors, and we'll be back in a little bit. Okay, we're back. This is the KGUS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. Jerry Urshabek, Jeff Edwards, and Donna Hoffman on the line with us today. Uh, it'll be difficult to take phone calls. However, we do have a couple of things uh, uh, going on today. Um, Grant handed us some uh, Sun Valley Rides uh, gold passes. And the carnival. The carnival. Yeah, rides. the carnival across the street. And uh, Jerry and I have come up with a couple of um, trivia questions that uh, we think that we've chatted about before. So we'll uh, start the program by asking a question. You can call in and uh, talk to Lynn with your answer. And uh, the first question is, um, we want to know what white grubs turn into. Wait, I know that one. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you do. They turn into something that you don't like, and we actually talked about them last week. That's right? correct. Okay, so what do white grubs turn into? So uh, we'll have to get that answer to Lynn and... and uh, We'll see if we can light up the phones. But the Gold Pass, it's kind of cool. Um, 20 ride coupons, good for 20 rides. Redeem at any booth at any Sun Valley Rides Carnival Midway. Uh, so, one pass per question. Yeah, pretty pretty cool little prize. We'll start that way. Um, you know, we could talk about a variety of things this morning. You want to talk about how hot it's gotten in the last oh, couple of days? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, told you, I told you everybody was complaining about it. Yeah. Every, everybody was complaining about how... Uh, how hot it, how cold and, and wet it's been, and now it's turned the corner. The, the flip, the switch has been flipped. And so uh, 100 yesterday, 100 today, uh, looks like next week is going to be uh, dry and hot. There's a giant heat dome going from west to east. Yeah, but how do we end up with two days in the hundreds and then 75 for two days on the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the craziest weather. Thank goodness and, it's the weekend. Uh, yeah, and and this is the craziest weather I've seen in my lifetime, and other people, who, even older than I, have said the same thing. So, uh, pretty crazy. Okay, we've already got a winner for hey! this question. Yeah, we do. Okay, Lynn, uh, go ahead and let us Ronnie know. Ronnie Bennett. Ronnie Bennett. All right, so your tickets will be here at the studio. Ticket will be here for the studio. So let's tell the audience what they missed out on and what these bugs turn into. Yeah, so the, um, uh, the white grubs that we commonly see around here in our turf usually turn into June bugs or June beetles. June beetles, June bugs. My wife hates them, and she's afraid of them. They don't do anything except they just buzz at you and then plunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, B-52s. Yeah. So, so Donna, uh, uh, we want to look into this conversation. Is it just as hot in uh, Casper as it is well, in uh, Goshen County? <laughs> Goshen County tends to be one of Wyoming's um, banana belts. So you're about 10 degrees warmer than us, it sounds like. I think we got up to 95 yesterday. Okay. Um, I, I actually supposed to get up to about 92 today, but okay. but it did switch from a rather chilly spring to, oh my goodness, 
Oh yeah, here it here. is. Here it is. It's hot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think I actually saw 104 on a vehicle thermometer yesterday, but uh, I don't know the official what it was, but um, it was warm, and, uh, you know, we probably shouldn't uh, dwell on that, but it is what it is, and we got to adapt or move on or whatever. Donna, did you have any June bugs up in Casper? Well, it's funny that you asked that because um, I'm listening to your conversation, and the other day somebody sent me uh, a picture I can't remember if it was on Facebook or if it was a, a text message, but somebody was pointing at one on the stucco on their house next to the door jam, and uh, what is that? And uh, um, <laughs> I told them what it was, and then they said, well, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't very happy because it hissed at me. <laughs> was that one of those multi-lined ones? Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, the big ones, right? The really yeah. big ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, they, uh, as immatures, you know, we kind of talked about this last week. As immatures, they feed on uh, roots in your turf uh, underneath things, and then uh, they uh, go through a pupal stage where they it's a resting stage, and then they emerge from the soil as these June bugs, June beetles. Mm -hmm. And there's a wide variety of them out there. Fortunately, we don't have Japanese beetles, but... That that's a whole nother story. Whole nother story. <laughs> yeah, and it, let's let's hope that we stay that way. But I don't know that we should hold our breath. Donna, have you been in places where Japanese beetles are? Yes. One of the first trips I made when I started working for Extension was to West Virginia for the National 4-H Forestry Judging Contest. Okay. And it was one of those. Holy cow! What are those? And do they eat everything? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. they eat everything, which is, mm -hmm. they'll eat field corn, they love roses, and they don't show up as one or two. It is a humongous number. Yeah, I and brought my whole family, and I mean my extended family. Yeah, yeah, hundreds if not thousands of them show up, and it's really difficult to spray for the adults because if you kill what's there, uh, um, it, it uh, the rest of their family just kind of replaces them. Right. Yeah. Uh, your your question about emerald color or emerald ash borer? Oh yeah, emerald ash borer. So that's not a gem Japanese emerald. No, no, no. Two different things. Two, yeah. Two. Both of them are invasive species, but yeah, both of them yucky. And both of them came here from Asia, but not quite the same place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, so we really don't want to have a total bug show today, because uh, <laughs> since, since we have Donna on the line, who is a horticulturist for the University of Wyoming Extension in uh, Natrona County. Um, Donna, so what types of things are you seeing up there? Well, I, one of the things that you talk about with my master gardeners is the misidentification of the larva of the uh, ladybug. Ah, uh, yeah. And my husband and I have been working on putting a pump in a fountain that he's had but, but had never had running. And I had a pump that was for a smaller water feature, which is a whole other story. But while he was working on getting it hooked up and putting new tubing through the fountain, he said, Hey, didn't you say ladybug larvae look like little alligators and they're black and orange? Around the water feature. <laughs> anyway, it was crawling across the garden hose that happened to be laying right next to the sidewalk while he was putting the tubing together on that. So don't squish it. Yeah, they, they do cover a lot of ground. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. But and it was the only one I saw all day, huh. but there had to have been an egg laid around there somewhere so, yes. earlier this season. So as you mentioned, um, 
uh, it's difficult sometimes to identify insects because the immature stages look so completely from the adults. Oh, yeah, they're, that's uh, like a whole different planet they came from. Did I complete that sentence? Did, yeah. What? Okay, all right. Yeah. I thought I missed a word so, or two. So, praying mantis is the only one, only bug I can think that looks just like the adult. Well, right. well and grasshoppers. And aphids. Oh, grasshoppers. Aphids look aphids the same. Aphids that are born pregnant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so there are... There are several. So, so there's... Okay, we might just turn this into an anthology <laughs> show. Yeah, right. There, exactly. there, there are... Uh, two different types of metamorphosis, one called incomplete or simple, which is what grasshoppers and praying mantis. So if the immature stage looks similar to the adult stage, that's incomplete because they don't have a pupil stage. They just go from small stages to bigger to bigger to adults. Okay, They all look the same, similar. Uh, and then there's complete metamorphosis where they start out as an egg, they have larval stages, and then there's a pupil resting stage, and then the adult. And usually the larvae don't look anything like the adults. Butterfly. Butterfly, beetles, white grubs versus June beetles, right? Right. Um, lady beetles. The and, and Donna brought this up. I use this as a demonstration all the time in my uh, presentations to Master Gardeners that larvae of lady beetles are described as alligators. They, they, when they walk, they kind of look like an alligator. Uh, not, 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 not really, but not really, but use they, your imagination. Use your imagination. Yeah. And, uh, generally they're orange and black, but can be other colors as well. But, uh, uh, people confuse them for pests in their garden, but they're usually there consuming the pests that are there. There's a reason why they're there, right? Because there's yeah. a food source. Yeah. They're kind of like hungry teenagers, and thank goodness they eat the good good things that they should be eating. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> good for them, and Most grow, up, grow up healthy and lay more eggs. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, uh, the uh, now this water feature that you've been working on, Donna, uh -huh. I know that you are struggling with it. Yes, well... The pump, I, I do pottery on the side, and I think the pump that I've had had went to one of the little bowls that I made that made a trickling water sound, and I put it in the desk drawer, and we've been looking for the pump for that he brought over here when he moved from Rollins. We have not located the pump that he had for it. We tried my pump. It does not pump enough water to make a fountain go. And so we're going to be purchasing another pump. I'm, I may have I may have a water feature pump that I'm no longer using that I okay. could donate to your cause. Oh well, there we go. Oh, uh, Jerry's Jerry's local. He's screaming about it too. He wants it. <laughs> he wants it too. But uh, it was interesting because the tubing wasn't complete in it. We had some of the pieces, but not all the pieces. So building a manifold to decide which tube the water went to first and should we use the larger tubing or the smaller tubing and do we size up or do we size down anyway it was sort of trickling when we put it together the first time then we put it together the second time with smaller tubing thinking that the the water would be forced through the tubing more forcefully <laughs> at a higher at, rate at a higher rate and that it would go through all four of the outlets in the fountain didn't work that way did it not so much. They all kind of fizzled out. I've, I've seen that for, for myself and my water feature, uh, I have to have a separate pump for my 
cleaner area so that it goes through the filter. And then I have one other little pump that goes up and I have a castle and one is a half barrel. So uh, on the electrical outlets, I, I mark which one's which. And, you know, if you ever have a water feature, you always have to do something with it. Uh, it's, a, it's a maintenance nightmare. Uh, you go out to do uh, a list of your your chores. Anything and, with water can be a maintenance no, nightmare. <laughs> and and your chores, and and you see your pond is not running. You go, oh my gosh, I got to get my pond going again. So yeah, it, they're they're wonderful features though in your yard. They're they're wonderful. They're relaxing. That little running trickling water effect is is a is very refreshing and and rewarding. We we had a water feature that we built in Iowa. That's why. We, uh, when we moved here, I pulled the pump and all that stuff, and um, pulled the plug. Pulled the plug. Uh, we uh, we had goldfish in it. We had a dog who thought it was her personal uh, <laughs> water bowl, um, and then um, we also started having. Oh, so this uh, water feature was underneath a pergola, so kind of shaded, uh, covered on a couple of sides. And uh, one morning, I looked out the window, and there was a blue heron poaching our. Uh, um, our goldfish <laughs> and he kept coming back until they were all gone unfortunately which uh, uh, once they learn that type of behavior uh, it, it's a bad thing I have a friend north of north of Torrington that has a pond with no more goldfish because of a blue heron yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, really good fisher friend. so we've never talked about water features before but they are kind of cool to have around you can they, they can create effects in different areas uh, one of the things uh, where we were at was that we had issues with algae showing up, right? Mm -hmm. So we put installed a um, uh, ultraviolet inline light, which uh, t really took care of the algae problem. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Now, for me, I I don't know. I have uh, twelve. I have it's just a small kidney shaped, yes, hard lined, yes, hard liner pond. And my algae is taken care of by my goldfish, and I don't feed my goldfish. Okay, now, sure. Say that's cruel. I don't know, but they're they, doing fine. They really keep that algae down. Uh, some ponds you see that that algae extending out from the side four to five inches. Mine is is probably only about a half inch to three quarters. Grazers. I don't believe that we ever fed ours once they got established either. Right. Yeah. You know, so some people go, oh, you got to feed your goldfish. No, you don't. Yeah. You know, we used to, in, back home, we used to throw them in the, in the stock tank, and, you know, they'd live through the winter, and they didn't have a bubbler, they didn't have a filter, they had cows sloshing around with them, and, <laughs> hey, they were happy campers. <laughs> Donna, do you plan on putting fish in your water feature? Well, we do. And now that you guys are talking about critters in the pond, I, I happened to be staring into the pond the other day while Mark was working on the manifold, and... Notice something swish up from the bottom of the pond. <laughs> oh, there's a salamander in there. Oh, my. <laughs> Later on, he came up and was in a shallower portion of the kidney-shaped pond and was sitting and sunning himself, I think. But the other thing I noticed is that because there's been water gathering in there and there is no circulation going on, there's some other critters hanging from the surface of the water wiggling around. Oh, you mean mosquitoes. Yeah, we have some mosquitoes, mosquitoes. growing in there, too. So we've really got to get some air circulation in this pond. Yeah, uh, and some predators. Drain it. But <laughs> I was kind of hoping that the salamander would eat some of them. You know, I don't, I don't know whether they do or not. I don't have any idea what salamanders eat. 
pretty soon you're going to have a toad or a frog uh, hanging out. <laughs> and if you walk by and that, and that toad jumps in the water, that's kind of a scary thing. Yeah, yeah. Mark actually says he has a frog that sits at the top of the pond and, and spits into the water. And that's how he circulated the water when he had the feature going in Rollins. Um, I have something similar to that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there's there uh, there are critters in there. They aren't the ones that we had planned on. Um, several years ago, we had bought some goldfish when his feature was still going in Rollins. I have found cutest little goldfish. One of its spots was heart shaped. Oh, nice! And brought it home and put it in the pond, and I don't know who, but somebody. That was the first one that disappeared somebody, out of the pond. Somebody ate it. It was a uh -huh. catch and release, yeah. and somebody yeah. didn't release it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, we do hope to put some some critters in there. And uh, so, Donna, are you are, are you planning really on fun. buying some of those little mosquito dunks? Dunks. Well, yeah, pellets? I think I need to go find some BT discs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, don't wait too long, because you know. Only a matter of days, and they're in and out of there, and they're right. after you. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. another public uh, announcement about mosquitoes and standing water. So, um, yeah. be aware. Be, yes. Uh, and, and like you, as you have mentioned before, there are places in the county, and I'm sure otherwise, that are just thick with mosquitoes. Thick, thick, thick. thick. Yeah. So, uh, again, West Nile can be an issue. Make sure that you... Uh, uh, wear repellent, um, long sleeve clothes, avoid those dusk and early morning activities, although morning is best time to get stuff done right now. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and especially around around the zucchini plants, gee, they seem to harbor a lot of skeeters. <laughs> Last night, Diane and I went for a stroll, and uh, uh, she's, I'm a victim. Mosquitoes love me for, for whatever reason. I have no idea. And uh, as soon as they land on me, they're after me. Yeah. There's no there's no delay time, and I itch instantly. That that bite causes me to itch instantly. And she looked at me and she goes, "How can you be scratching already? It, it, what are you doing?" Yeah, it, and she's it. They don't bother her too so much. You don't have any way. sulfites in your system, Jeff. I don't have any what? Sulfites. Oh, better drink some wine. Uh, oh, sulfites. Can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Migraine inducing activities. Yeah. Have you seen that that helps, Donna? No, I'm just harassing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our sponsors. We'll be back in a little bit. Okay, we're back. This is Jeff Edwards, Jerry Urshbeck, and Donna Hoffman. This is the KGUS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. Before we proceed, I would like to give away the second uh, gold pass to the um, carnival across the street. And uh, the second question would be, uh, we had a guest a couple weeks ago, Gary Stone. We've talked about this multiple times. How do you test for proper moisture in your lawn? Do you know the answer to that one? I do. I, okay. I, I, I like this one as well because I've used this technique. Okay. And I found myself needing more moisture. Yes. So, so the question again is how do you easily test for proper moisture in your lawn? All right, so 532-2158 uh, if you're interested in uh, getting a gold pass to the carnival. So 
Um, Jerry, uh, during the break, you mentioned that you had a rototiller story. They're always fascinating and fun and, and uh, <coughs> things to talk about. So, uh, so please there's, share. There's, there's more of an emotional thing with this rototiller. And so not only do I like to do sporting rototilling, and that sort of thing, but <laughs> it, is a, it, it is a sport. <laughs> it is a sport. So when my wife and I were getting married, my friend said, "Hey, you need to buy your wife a string of pearls." I told her that, and she says, "Marna says, you know, I'm not really a pearl girl. Let's buy a tiller." Well, Bernard Parrish was was saying, "Hey, do you want to buy a tiller?" He was a he was a farmer, and so uh, he, he sold us his tiller, and we said, "Well, you can use it anytime you want," and so. When Myrna said, I'm not a pearl girl, I'm more, let's buy a tiller, I said, this, this woman's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we both like to play in the dirt. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic gift. And so there's, there's kind of a, and you know that tiller has lasted forever, and lend it to friends and all that kind of sure. stuff, and uh, smokes a little bit, you know, it's kind of like, Kind of like anything else in life, you know, it just gets a little older. Gets a little older, but uh, it still works. Okay, so we have a uh, winner for the second. Jeez, uh, already. We have Good a, deal. yes. It, we we actually have some listeners, which is shocking. <laughs> embarrassed or, or uh, you you don't seem to, to see that there's a lot of people listening to you. And I said, I don't see their face. All I see is Jeff, and it's just like me and Jeff having a conversation. That's right. Uh, yeah. So Betty Allen is gonna go to the uh, yay Betty. Gonna go to the uh, the carnival. So thank you, Betty, for hey. for number one listening and number two calling in with an answer. <laughs> <laughs> calling in with the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you handed me a picture this morning, Jerry, when we walked oh, in. Oh yeah, isn't that amazing? So this is a uh, this is a, a, a dead a, tree. A dead tree. It looks like an elm, just okay. with my experiences with dead Crap elms. Tree. Uh, uh, yes. Well, yes. Okay, sure. Um, and uh, this is a uh, a fungal growth coming out of a cut previously uh, cut off limb. Which Des describe what it looks like. Um, it looks like a humongous mushroom. Okay, so to me, it looks like an eight-inch irrigation tube that comes out of a cut of the tr off of a tree they limb. Got, they got rammed into the tree, <laughs> yeah. and it kind of makes a big loop. And this thing is just the grossest thing I've ever seen. But Jeff said, "Oh yeah, you can probably eat some of these things if you know what they are. If you know the right one." Um, so there are a lot of uh, tree. Fungi, fungi that uh, um, we don't normally see, but because this year has been so um, damp, <laughs> for lack of a better term, yeah, we're going to start seeing a lot of odd things, and and this is one of many. I'm guessing it's fungus among us. But yes, uh, tree tree rot type things, shelf fungus, elf on the shelf, shelf, uh -huh. shelf oh, yeah. fungus, yeah, um, uh, will start showing up. And like I mentioned, some of them are edible, but I'm not advocating that we go out and no, sample no, no, them no. because those types of things, you really have to know what they and are. And you think that this thing was, was probably solid? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it is. Yeah. So, um, Donna, have you seen stuff like that up at Casper? Well, I have, well, I have seen some more um, decay mushrooms or fungi on some trees. Most of ours have, have maintained a pretty small size, 
the one thing that I've been surprised at, I've never seen in Natrona County, is um, cedar apple rust. And uh-huh. uh, back in June, I was out wandering through the gardens here along Fairgrounds Road and found one of those orange gelatinous star-shaped things. <laughs> and this was on the ground cover um, type juniper, not on a tree. Okay. So this, this week, since Bear is over here, I've decided to take some of the shrubbery out that can't stay in its space. It's overgrown its space. It's and not it's behaving. overtaking the walkways. And now that we've gotten into it, it's it's spread much more than it should have by root system. Well, one of them had spread under a juniper tree. And in order to get it out of there, I moved one of the branches of the juniper to prune out the, the sprouts off of the honeysuckle. And the juniper tree had a big, oh, I don't know, golf ball-sized knot on it that was one of those galls without the orange gelatinous. Right. So or sticking out of it. So it a lot, also lot got of people, removed last night too. A lot of people may or may not know what we're talking about. So cedar apple rust is a, it's a fungal pathogen. Uh, the way the reason that it's called cedar apple rust is because it hosts it ha, it has a host life cycle where it has to spend some time on cedar tree, and then some time on apple trees. So the cedar the the fruiting body on a cedar tree and it usually shows up in warm humid conditions um it it uh it almost looks like a pine cone when it's not active but when it's warm and moist and it 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 has this orange gelatinous slime that oozes out of it it looks something it it is it is a science fiction horror movie waiting to happen um so uh uh, so that's the fruiting bodies. The spores that are produced from that then go land on apple trees, and the rust, uh, change in name, pustules that happen on the leaves of apples, uh, would you call those um, uh, target-like? They look like a, a target, Donna? Yeah, there's a lot protruding under the, the on the underside of the leaf. It's like uh, kind of rust or orange-shaped. Spores. Like chandeliers. I don't know. Crystal yeah. chandeliers hanging down from the tree. And, and, on the the t- and on the top side, it's these target-shaped... Yeah, ring-shaped ring patterns. Ring things, patterns mm-hmm. on the leaves. Um, where I've seen this in really heavy numbers was in um, Alliance when we went to... Went to... Um, uh, citrus in the snow, the, in the, snow. the greenhouse yeah. that's underground. He has apple trees and he has cedar trees. Trees all growing together. And they're all infested with cedar oh, apple rust. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, I, I have a sister-in-law that lives in Hastings, and one of the first times I saw very many of the, the orange gelatinous deals, we were taking a walk in Hastings, and it must have been springtime because there was lots of them, and it was kind of humid, rainy weather. Of course, it's more humid in Hastings than it is here most any day. Most of the time. Yeah. 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 So so nothing to be done? Uh, there's vi- very little that can be done. It's either remove one or both hosts. Oh, uh-huh. Um, you know, if the apple trees are infected, they aren't going to be as productive as you'd like. So you certainly can't wash that stuff off with no. a high-pressure mm-hmm. no. hose. No. 
No. Yeah, it's, you it's can remove the galls or remove branches that have the galls if you've only got a few of them. But yeah. if they get to a certain number... One of the things I've really been noticing uh, just in the last 10 days is uh, the fire blight in the apples is really obvious right now. Okay. So there's a lot of tip dieback and... and oh, um, we got some heat. Uh, yeah, now that it's warmed up a little bit, those those limbs are dying, and and so, if, you know, once your tree has fire blight, it will always have fire blight. Really, the only thing that you can do is uh, go down that limb about a foot below where the dieback is, cut it off, uh, and then entirely remove that crook-shaped dead leaf, dead limb, and burn it, get rid of it, get it off your property. Last yeah, year, don't, my, don't my, shred it and make compost out of it. No, yeah, my tree succumbed to fire blight. Yep, uh, I had three, and now I have one. And, <laughs> and the one has the uh, uh, I don't know fifty cent piece apples yep. so far. Yeah, and uh, I've lost some, and some are still remaining. So it's there's we're hopeful. There's never a cure for it. It's just one of those things that. Um, uh, your tree will eventually succumb. You'll, it'll stop mm -hmm. producing apples, and you'll eventually need to take that tree out. <laughs> yes, stop producing leaves as well. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, bad news. All sorts of stuff. I, my mom's uh, had a um, uh, apple tree that she had to take out this year, and it was more than fire blight. There was something else going oh, on boy. with it. So, well, once you have a disease, diseased plant, diseased soil, uh, it invites more opportunistic diseases yep. and bugs to come in. Secondary pests. Yep. Yeah. And it's re f fungal pathogens, plant pathogens are very difficult to get a, a rid of once they've been established. So so that's why we rotate crops. Yep. That's why we uh, try to maintain, maintain healthy trees. Maintain healthiness. Anytime we have a hail uh, event that opens wounds for diseases to get in so it's possible. Oh, yeah. So there's all sorts of things happening all the time. But isn't it amazing what can grow in spite of what us? happens? In spite of us. <laughs> <laughs> Weed whackers, lawnmowers, exactly. those are the worst. Yeah. Well, a guy came in, brought a leaf in, and it was a um, oak leaf mountain ash. And he had it in a place where he didn't want it, wanted to know what it was first, and then decided he was going to eliminate it. And I called him back and said, hey, if you're going to get rid of it, I'd like to have it. So I went out to his house and dug it up, and after I got it dug up, noticed that it had been girdled because he'd used his weed whacker on it. Oh, yeah. Cutting <laughs> down the weeds surrounding it. We he brought it back here and planted it, and since then it has completely turned the toast. It, so. it, it has met its demise. Yeah, well, okay, <laughs> never mind. I tried. <laughs> um, like, uh, yeah. why couldn't the bird have dropped the seed over here yeah. where I wanted it, even if I had to move it, rather than dropping it in the weed patch next to the deck yeah. where the guy didn't want it? Exactly. What? So what other types of calls have you been getting, Donna, as far as people coming in and, hey, I've got this, or something's going, something weird's going on? Well, what other things can you share with us? I have a call that I, I need to return back to somebody, but I stopped by and looked at a business it's in an industrial area, um, a whole bunch of trees planted from the top of a hill down a hill. 
um, in front of all these businesses, um, and there's no irrigation set up to irrigate any of these trees. And since we're in Wyoming, guess what tree it is? Uh, cottonwoods? Yeah. In yeah, the dry. A whole row of cottonwoods with a few blue spruce interspersed. Okay. And no irrigation. There's a concrete wall because each, each building has built up so it's above kind of the road level to the one side, and the other side is a paved street. Oh. So they've got about a six-foot strip of grass that they're growing in. Of course, they're competing with the grass. Sure. And they're competing with each other. And they had wonderful moisture when it was raining this spring, which is, of course, unusual. But now that they've reached 30, 40-year-old age and probably 20, 25-foot tall, they're really not liking their environment they're very really well. They're really struggling. Yeah. Yeah. So... They really do need to either decide which ones they're going to keep, which ones they might eliminate like every other one, um, or take take the time to put in something else that's more drought-resistant and then eventually take out the, the older plants that can kind of nurse or shade along the little the uh, seedling trees. And, and if you do that, Donna, you still have those larger trees competing with newer, younger ones, right? Right, yeah. Which yeah. goes back to the idea of putting in some kind of a watering system. Yeah. yeah, one of the but things. But I can't quite imagine this industrial area putting in irrigation. Yeah, one of the things you and I have talked about in the past is um, tree row maintenance, right? Mm -hmm. um, we uh, generally what we do is we go out and we plant a tree row, may or may not water it. Hopefully, it'll live. Um, but you know, it's always best to set those up so that they're on some type of watering system. Mm -hmm. And then continue to add trees to it, right? Make it mm -hmm. um, because you want to have, you don't want all of your trees to mature and start dying at the same time. Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, wait five, get get the first row established, wait five years, add something else. Uh, this is something that we've, we're trying right now on our property. So do you space this in, in a row or do you just go to a new row? Um, you could do either, I think. Uh, it just depends on the space that you have and what you'd want to try to accomplish. Like if you're trying to uh, have a windbreak or snow, uh, living snow fence, that type of thing, if you had trees that had perished, you could uh, intersperse and plant. Or you could, if you had the space, you could actually add a new row. You bet. Um, and so, uh, Donna, you're talking about cottonwoods. Uh, I think it's been four years now we... We did two rows of cottonwoods, and then uh, right now they are probably 12, 15 feet tall. Mm -hmm. um, and this year we added a row of ponderosa pine. Cottonless nice. cottonwood? I hope that they're cottonless, but yes. that doesn't mean that they will be forever. Oh, that's correct. <laughs> beyond, beyond my lifespan, I hope that they're cottonless. Yes. <laughs> One of the, also, so we're on the cottonwood tree. Okay. Um, one of the things that I have noticed is that... Uh, the amount of cotton being produced by our cotton-producing cottonwoods uh, has been so significant, and it's uh, getting in and around uh, can't uh, getting in and around um, uh, the weeds that are there. It's preventing the herbicide that I've been applying from actually getting to the plant, and so we've had really. Uh, 
mediocre weed control in some spots because the, the cotton. because the cotton has presented the uh, prevented the herbicide from getting to the plant. So oh, wow, wow. Uh, you're going to have to get a leaf blower. Well, I have one, but um, I, I think I'd rather not blow them elsewhere. I'd rather find a way to collect them and then vacuum them shop back a long cord and then and then make a shirt yeah exactly um uh so uh that this i think this is the first year that i've noticed that that's happened where in the places where the cotton is collected i'm getting really bad weed control uh, and and plus a lot of cottonwoods germinating. I've got a high wheel wha weed whacker that you could use. It's <laughs> like a three point. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know, Donna. Have Just you ever make sure you don't let the neighbors see you if you take the shop back out there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. My my, my property is pretty private, except uh, on one side. And yeah, yeah, except for those drones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that wacko do doing now? Yeah. <laughs> Let's document it as well with the drone. <laughs> and then post it on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've covered this. Um, and, and so uh, on Facebook, this, this woman was, was talking about her aphids. And she said they, they first appeared in her backyard, and now they're in her front yard. And she's tried and, and used an application and, uh, of insecticide or pesticide, and uh, that hasn't worked. And she's purchased 1,500 live ladybugs and she's released that after it rained and so we all know that everything on facebook is true well yeah, of course um and uh so uh first of all i think it gets back to identi correctly identifying the problem uh generally there aren't aphids on turf i'm gonna I'm just going to throw that out there. Throw that out. I'm, I'm guessing but it's going to... I think it, it was on our plants. It was on our plants. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, it it may be aphids, but we'd probably have to have a definite ID for sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but the thing that I am noticing, and we've had this before in Goshen County, are the Calembolas, which their springtails is their common name. They are about the size of aphids, if not smaller. Mm. But... Uh, uh, we have ha we have had outbreaks of calembolas in Goshen County before. They they don't they don't bite they don't they're detritus feeders so they feed on decaying leaf matter and those types of things. But every once in a while, because it's been so wet, because we're having decay and those types of things occur because of the wetness, these calembolas just have a population explosion, um, and they are. Right now, they're out all over on cement and sidewalks and, and those types of things. So I don't know if folks, other folks have been seeing them. And really, there isn't, because there's so many of them, there really isn't any way to control them. You just kind of have to tolerate them or suck them up with a vacuum cleaner. You don't have to go out in the yard and suck them up with a vacuum cleaner, but keep the ones out of your house or around your house. Um, they, uh, they just don't. They don't feed on things. They just walk across stuff. It's, uh, but there can be large numbers of them, so people start getting real concerned about them showing up. Yeah. We had a millipede, millipede, centipede, millipede Many explosion legs. one year. Mm -hmm. and Which could occur as well. Man, they just came out of our bricks. They just kept coming. It's like they were vomiting out of the, out of the, you know. And that's that's scary. You go, what in the heck is going on? And of course, they're they're dead feeders as well. Right. Yep. Dead and decaying. Decaying matter. Yep. And you go, gee, what is, what's going on in our, my house? Our bricks are sick. <laughs> 
Yeah. So uh, on that same post, they thought that earwigs eat aphids, and I I wanted to bring that up as well. But I don't think it, I don't, I don't think, think so. earwigs are predatory. I think they're more plant feeders, more detritus yeah. feeders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. They so, look fierce, but I don't think they use yeah. that for anything other than scaring off. Yeah, so, so it would be lady beetles, lacewings, surfid flies, eat aphids. Um, uh, there are praying mantis. Praying mantis, parasites, uh, little tiny wasps that consume uh, aphids. So if you wanted to go biocontrol route, those are the different types of things that you can find. Hose your plants off with the strong stream of water. Uh, yeah. Soapy water, yeah, soapy water. would work. Donna, do you have other recommendations for aphid-infested plants? Well, I... I often recommend to people that they spray their trees just with a jet of water to okay. wash the, the critters off of the foliage. And I had never used that method myself until about two years ago when we were still living in the, the house we lived in in town. And I had a whole bunch of sap that had gotten on my car from parking under the tree. Which means you have aphids. Right, yeah, and I knew that. I just had never done what I told everybody else they should do. So I decided to get the jet spray nozzle out and hook it up to the garden hose and sprayed up as high as I could possibly spray. I probably spent a half an hour hosing down the tree. And of course, I was pretty well saturated, rained on, showered, whatever. Were you wearing your rain cap? No. (laughs) Didn't plan that far ahead. But uh, anyway, I got I got pretty well doused and probably had a few creatures in my hair that I didn't know I had down there when they got blasted off of the foliage of the tree. And then I rinsed my car off and was kind of dumbfounded that, hey, that worked really well <laughs> because most of aphids don't have wings and they can't get back up on the tree once you've knocked them off. And... For the rest of the summer, we had a much smaller population of, of aphids, and my car was not nearly as sticky. Yeah. So it is a method that works. Um, so when we do knock them off the tree, Donna, do they now climb up on other any plants? plants that are down on the bottom? Sure. They, they can, yeah. Um, you just keep knocking them off, right? Yeah, just, just keep at it. Um, and then hopefully some of the predatory insects are on some of our garden um, plants instead. Luckily, the tree that I was working on um, was near the street, and if I could aim at the street, a lot of them landed on the asphalt, and the house next door had a driveway just on the other side of the tree, so I'm hoping a lot of them fell on the driveway next door. And perished Um, on the trip. Perished, yeah, in their lack of, of feeding sources in those two locations. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of different ways that we can try to... You bet. Not, not necessarily eliminate pests, but we're managing them to a point where, they're, they're, where they become less of an issue, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Control your critters. Uh, manage your critters. Manage your critters. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, one of the things that I've, I've seen recently, and we do need to have a, a little bit more of an adjustment to that mentality, but somebody sent me a picture of some caterpillars. I think they were monarch butterflies, but they may have been another butterfly um, larva, the caterpillar, but very brightly colored, and they were feeding on um, some fennel in the garden and some um, parsley in the, the garden. 
and I responded back, aren't they beautiful, to their first email, and then realized they had sent me a second email with some more pictures and said, how do we control them? How do we get rid of them? Well, in my aren't they beautiful email was not what they wanted to hear. (laughs) Um, But um, I think we all need a different threshold of how many can we withstand, because we all all need to be providing some of the habitat for some of the things that we want in our environment. And even though the caterpillars are munching down on the plants that we do want, we also want that adult stage of yeah. the butterfly. Uh, my, so we my, have to allow them to eat something. My guess one would be for those would be swallowtail butterflies. Monarchs only feed on milkweed. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so probably a swallowtail. Uh, this morning, in my wandering around in the garden, um, noticed uh, inchworms, mm. which are the uh, uh, mainly on. They were found mainly on uh, the underside leaves of cabbage, the underside mm-hmm. leaves of broccoli. Um, I've got something chewing on my basil too. I haven't found the culprit of that. But um, the inchworms, the adults, are those sulfur yellow butterflies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, when you or, or cabbage butterflies or whatever they a lot of different names for them mm-hmm. uh, just had a power flick <laughs> um, but they are uh, uh, getting into my high tunnel somehow and laying eggs and those uh, larvae are out and enjoying themselves and you know I, I'm not going to spray anything for them when I find them I pick them off and and uh, dispose of them properly, and and uh, so they're really not that much of a problem. It's just when you see them, you got to take care of them. Now I have no problem killing and disposing of horned tomato worms. Tomato hornworms. Mm-hmm. But I do have a problem trying to kill or swat down the adults. Uh, the adults, because they look like hummingbirds, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they. We think that they're good pollinators, I, yeah. I, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah, everybody goes, oh, wow, that's a really cool butterfly. Look how big that thing is. Or moth or, or, moth, or hummingbird. Or hummingbird. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, that's really cool. Well, the immature stage is uh, feeding on your tomato <laughs> plants. <laughs> but I have no trouble killing them. <laughs> but I do have trouble when they're flying around and they are acting like hummingbird. a hummingbird. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to swat at something when you think it might be a hummingbird. <laughs> Oh, hey, you know what? This is unbelievable. We are uh, once again out of time. Once once again. Um, Donna, thank you for being our guest today. And, uh, Jerry, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. We we have a want to wish folks well in this uh, challenging time that we've got. So, Jerry, I know you've uh, uh, got a message you want to get out. We just want to throw out our heartfelt thoughts and prayers for those affected by the recent breach of Goshen Irrigation. what a devastating blow to our economy and our farmers. Uh, we just want everyone to know that we're thinking about you. Yep. And, um, uh, uh, you know, we, we're, we're here, and, and if you have questions that we might be able to answer, please give us a call. So um, we should be here next week. Uh, I'm, I, got, I got a wonderful trip to Duluth, Minnesota, so, uh, but I will be here on Friday as f- long as I can get back. Donna, thank you again. Thank you, Jerry, and uh, we'll be back next week.